Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Which team was going to play harder, longer? Yeah, yeah. 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 That, question's right. that question's answered. I know the men in this room. I know what you're about. I know we're about that fight. Every week is different, and you don't know what it's going to take to win the game. We did what we had to do to win the game. That's what good teams do. No matter what, man, I get it. Do not, do not ever feel bad or this or that about a win man they're too hard to come by hey love you guys man come on man hey you talk about we talk about finishing every snap and when it goes down to the last snap and we finish it i love it all right i love it come on the road and be the really good team but guess what Victory Monday all around the NFL. Victory Monday in Minnesota as well, baby. The Josh Dobbs. I like it to Josh Dobbs. We'll talk about that coming up. It's good. Well, it's a large, you know. Uh, Two games and he stole your heart. It took Kirk Cousins a lot longer to get his jersey worn on. Hey, not just me. Not just me. (laughs) My my son says to me, just watch Kevin O'Connell. He loves Josh Dobbs. (laughs) And I wonder what Kirk Cousins thinks about all this. I mean, think about two weeks ago. It was despair. It was reality. It was, yeah, I what are they going to do? Yeah, right. they're just done. Oh, well, it was fun while it lasted. The win over the 49ers, Kirk's shining moment, beat the Packers, held on after Kirk got injured, but they're not going anywhere for now. Jaron Hall's not ready, yada, yada. They don't know what they're going to do. Hey, I, that I'm Monday not. afternoon, Kevin O'Connell basically said, we're looking at every we're, possible. We're not option. sure, right? We don't know what we're going right. to do. Right. Like, to we're the point do. where they're like, might give up on the year and just start selling. Every, I mean, yeah. everything was on the table. But and then the next day they get Josh Dobbs. And, you know, it really is ridiculous. I wrote about this yesterday. It was the most traffic story on the website. Peter King and I talked about it Friday before we get into week 10. Yeah. And, 
and I know the Cardinals fans are very happy that their team won. Congratulations. I guess we'll see you at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. And it's great that your team won. What are you so mad at? You no, they're, because they're, 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 giving me, they're giving me the business. But what the, <laughs> the, the F-K yeah. were they thinking? Just handing Josh Dobbs to the Vikings. Plus a seven for a six. Like, what? he's a quarterback. And he had started every game yeah, that yeah, year. Yeah. Why was no one else clamoring? For Josh Dobbs sure. and why didn't the Cardinals just say you know what we're still not sure how healthy Kyler Murray is going to be we got this rookie who's not ready as evidenced by the fact that they gained 58 yards of total offense against the Browns with right. Clayton Toon playing why would they just give this guy up are they so intent on stockpiling picks that they're willing to turn over a player who's clearly good for an upgrade from round seven to round six. It really makes no sense. It's, it's one of the dumbest trades of recent years because just keep the guy around. Just yeah. keep him there. Yeah. No, he wasn't I, asking to be traded. No, he wasn't. And you know he'd be a good backup. I, I hear your point there. I, I think there's probably a part that they were surprised they were going to get that kind of action. I, I don't know, you know what, what their thought was there. You would think, yeah, but I think they just wanted to figure out Kyler Murray, move on to a young quarterback, see what he had a little bit. Uh, but but you're right. It's it's hard to put your you know. I don't think they really expected well, to trade him. I think the Kirk Cousins thing kind of threw a curveball in the whole situation, and all of a sudden there was a market for Josh Jobs. But I think what you do if you're a properly functioning football organization, you know when the trade deadline is. You know what Kyler Murray's timetable is. You see it all kind of falling together where you have an opportunity to trade Josh Dobbs. You don't just get to work on it Tuesday morning at the trade deadline. You start weeks in advance. You start working teams. You start getting the word out there. You start making it known that – because there are plenty of other teams who don't have a viable backup that would have been or should have been or could have been in the Josh Dobbs conversation. I just think it happened so fast well, on yeah, Tuesday. He's breaking norms. He's breaking norms in the fact of what he's doing and how he's digesting offenses this quickly. You know, I think most of the football... It's not a shock. The guy's a freaking rocket scientist. I know, I know, but I just think, you know, it's one of those things where throughout time, people haven't been able to do that. So yeah. that's where he's special in that moment. I think that's probably, you know, part of this conversation. Uh, also, I think people were still hesitant about the value of Josh Dobbs. There's a reason he's been on six teams like we talked about and joked about in the last two years, right? Now he's gotten to play enough football here to where he's got a feel for the game and his instincts are starting to show, and now the best possible Josh Dobbs is out there. But, you know, I think there was a time there when you would turn on Josh Dobbs. You heard me even at one point earlier in the year with Arizona Cardinals. You'd go, he's doing good, but there's a handful of plays he misses every game where I go, oh, they would have won if he hit those two throws all of a sudden now it doesn't seem like he ever misses those throws and he's really in a groove but I don't think the league valued him to what we're seeing here and this transformation here just as of late but I guess my point is yeah why didn't they value it more look and the Cardinals are in a position to sell him more if they knew they were going to do this and I go back to something Josh Dobbs said last week that surprised me he said Jonathan Gannon the coach I, of the Cardinals there. looked him in the face and so, said we're not trading right, you. so that tells me somebody higher than him yeah. decided after that you know what let's just move on from this guy like we can get something from him wait a minute wait a minute let's 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 look at our situation we're not going to the playoffs yep. we know this is a lost year we haven't prioritized winning this year from the draft from how they handled DeAndre Hopkins cap charge when they cut him. Yeah, All they had to do right. was wait for a couple of days and would have had an extra $11 million around in yep. case they, they wanted said, to do we'll something. Take it right it's now. all about next year. Yeah. Cap space next year. Yeah. Draft picks next year. So we have a guy that isn't going to be with us next year anyway. Yep. We can get an upgrade by one round from seven to six. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Kyler's coming back. Let's just do it. And 
And I think that because they got so little for him, it just shows that – and the Vikings benefited from it, yeah. clearly. Yeah. Th- this whole 6-7 trade that we've seen happen, like seven or eight guys have had it happen this year, it's the equivalent of, you know, the day when – they come and take any of your trash, even the stuff they wouldn't ordinarily take, and you put all your junk out there, and then people are driving around, and they start eyeballing your junk, and they want to take it, and you get kind of mad. Yeah. Like, hey, I could have sold that. Like, that's what this player plus a seven-round pick, future seven-round yeah. pick, like 25, 26, some of these are like two, three years out. In exchange for a six-round pick, it's bargain basement, nothing crap trade. It's sweetener on top of if you it's, want to make a nothing. big move, right? Yeah, I think that's yeah. where you look at it. Like if they want to, like maybe they're in the mid-second and they want to move up early second. Yeah. Okay, they gave up a you know a third, a fifth, and this year sixth to go on it, and that makes it you know this viable. Is just so they're still this an asset, just, but this is I, this I, I is hear what this you're is you know he's not going to be here next year anyway, and we have no reason to keep him around because God forbid he wins a game or two for us down the stretch and screws up our shot at Caleb Williams. It really is. And now, well, that doesn't make sense anyways, just because well, now you got Kyler Murray in there, and he's oh, going to win the games anyway. Well, so, that's right. Yeah. Well, And now they got a problem right. because I think they're trying to balance well, they showcasing Kyler yeah, Murray, right. prioritizing this year, sure. creating a little excitement. Right. And it's not a functional football organization from the top down. I hear you. We see all the reports, the long reads, the deep dives, every – major outlet feels compelled to check a box on a 10,000 word story about how dysfunctional the Cardinals are. Guess what? They're dysfunctional. Yeah. It starts with ownership. Right. And that infects every decision that's made we'll with see Kyler if the GM Murray. and the coach can overcome that and yeah. maybe instill some culture there and get Bidwell to change or, some or, of his ways. Or, or and are get they part of it? Right. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. You know, so far, I like the look of what they're doing. I can't complain about the moves they're making for the most part. I like that. And then, of course, Jonathan Gannon, they've, every week we're kind of come away going, man, they played well today. They're playing they're playing hard. They're playing they play hard. hard right? there, there, there haven't been many flat-out embarrassment blowouts. Like the thing in Cleveland was, what the hell is that? But, yeah. but they beat the Cowboys. I know. And they beat the Falcons yesterday. And the Falcons are a team that's trying to win right. their division. All so. right, get back on right, track here, here okay? Right. Well, we got Josh Dobbs out of the way. I, yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to it later. We'll talk about Viking Saints <laughs> later on. But uh, well, I like this. Good. I yeah, like it this. fits you better, yeah. too. It yeah. does. Uh, Kirk Cousins, when he used to swim in that thing. Oh, I know. It's yeah. huge. It, I, it's like a frock, like a muumuu, you know? Yeah. Isn't that what it's called, a muumuu? I, I don't know. Like, I could just wear that and nothing else. Oh, Not yeah, that got that you. Would yeah. Be we don't want to see that. Yeah, please no. don't. All right. <laughs> uh, HR violation. Unpleasant for the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. What a shocker. Oh. The Houston Texans. And they're learning how to win. And it took a while. And it just shows you, in September and October, and people call it overreaction. It's not reaction. It's just all we have to react to. Like, what are we going to do? In September and October, speculate on who's going to be better and who's going to be worse or who's going to be the same when Thanksgiving and Christmas roll around. No, we focus on what we've seen. We make our assessments and our judgments based on what we've seen. And early in the season, the Texans were a team where it's like, hey, they got something in C.J. Stroud, yeah. but they can't win. Right. They're losing games that maybe they should win. They're not finishing games. They had that one game where they like kicked the crap out of the Steelers, but for the most part, they were kind of an unknown yeah. quantity. And I in the agree. last two right. weeks, all of a sudden, it's C.J. Stroud with a 470-yard four, game and comes back with 46 seconds left, 
drives down the field and wins against Tampa. And then yesterday to go to Cincinnati to have that game in hand and then try to blow it and then get back on track and drive down to get in position for the game-winning field goal after giving up a 10-point lead, that just shows this team is learning how to win. They've learned how to forget mistakes. C.J. Stroud had an interception yesterday. He forgot about it. There's the key moment to Noah Brown, who has been incredible the past couple of weeks for the Houston Texans, setting up the game-winning field goal by Matt Amendola, not Kaimi Fairbairn, who's injured, or Dari Ogumbawale, who was the <laughs> emergency job. kicker yeah. last week. Yeah. Now it's Matt Amendola, two M's Amendola, not one M like Danny, and kicks the game-winning field goal, and the Texans are now... Five and four. Five and four. Five and four. Right. And, and like, I hear what you're saying, you know, because early in the year, they, they've dominated Jacksonville and Pittsburgh in back-to-back. I forgot, weeks, about, I right? forgot about Jacksonville. 20-point right? so, win on the road. Right. But, but even with that, right, I, I even clarified that a little bit. Jacksonville did some self-inflicted things, kind of messed the game up, right? We had the punt, the kick return by the, the tight end of the Texans. There were some fluky things. Steelers game, there was domination. Kind of let one slip away with the Atlanta Falcons. New Orleans Saints, they controlled that game more impressive. Came off the bye week, laid a stinker against the Carolina Panthers to where you just go, all right, they're going to be one of these teams that's a pain in the butt for everybody this year, but I don't know if they're going to really be able to make a move. Uh, the Buccaneers game, all over the place. Miracle comeback and then go on the road and do this. And yeah, it makes you view them differently for sure. I mean, I think it's official, and, and like what D'Amico Ryan says, to a team we all were sitting kind of going, hey, there's some things to like. They're young. They're learning how to win. Yesterday's win, I think, does take them into the category of, hey, they are a good team. We, we do need to start respecting them a little bit more. You said the right things. First off, you know, D'Amico Ryan's the defense. I got to give Nick Casario a lot of credit, right? They had a vision there of guys that made sense for the D'Amico Ryan defense, and we see he knows how to coach them up on that side of the ball. And then you take Bobby Slowick from Shanahan and the 49ers. They run the ball. They got a very good offensive line, right? We saw that even Damian Pierce out, Devin Singletary's a good backup, and Good receivers, but good receivers with a great quarterback and a really good system start to look like great receivers all the time, and now they're tearing people up. And Stroud is just the biggest story in the NFL right now. I don't think there's any question about that. There currently are 11 teams in the AFC at or above 500. That's crazy. It's amazing. Crazy. But the Texans are right there in the thick of things at 5-4. and I've seen some talk about C.J. Stroud as an MVP candidate. Yeah. And folks, that can't happen if they don't get to the playoffs. And we know how the MVP thing goes. One seed, NFC. One seed, AFC. Some great player, usually a quarterback from one of those two teams, will be one of the finalists. They'll be the two finalists unless somebody sets records. Right. Somebody does something historic. And C.J. Stroud's going to have to like set the single-season passing yardage record or something like that. Or get to the playoffs and maybe win the division, maybe yeah. take down the yeah. Jaguars, and maybe they can. I think he's on the fringes of the conversation, I, but I the team the has I, to achieve yeah, a lot right. more. I hear you. He's hear doing you. enough to get there. It's almost like the Heisman. Like you can have a great season, but if your team is middle of the pack or just fringes of the best, you're not going to win it. Typically, yeah, it's a great player from a really great team. You got to have a team 
that is a high-end contender to be an MVP candidate, a real one, unless you're doing something historic. And what he's doing is historic by way of rookies, yes. but that's different. It's got to be historic by way of anyone. Right, right. I, I think that's fair to say. I, I think the big thing is I, he, he deserves to be in the conversation, like you said. Do I look at it and go, ooh, he, you know, and it's a year right now where there is no clear leader, so it's a very open discussion, and I think that's what lends itself to us injecting C.J. Stroud. I think a little bit of his is recency bias – outdoing expectations, right? You don't usually talk about, you know, an MVP who threw for 140 yards versus the Carolina Panthers, who are the worst team in football, and they lost to them, or threw for less than 50%, and they beat the New Orleans Saints the week before their bye. It was 13 for 27, right? So there's some things there where I'd go, hey, you know me. I've been leading the C.J. Stroud you know, a pack here and, and, and everybody about how awesome he is. But I don't, I think we're going a little too far with saying, Oh, he's a, he should be in the top of the MVP conversation. I would agree with you there. Now he continues what he's doing these last two weeks and we're here three weeks, four weeks from now. And it's that type of pace where we're going, man, it's just 300 yard game, clutch throw one after another. And they're riding his back. Right. The, and, then, winning, and, winning, and winning and winning and winning. And then I'll and start to go, you know, you're, they're damn right. But they started this year out. You're not the MVP when they're kind of managing you, running you, right. not letting you throw that much even when you're in games that you're down. That is an MVP to me. That's awesome rookie, like you're saying, who's exceeding expectations. And maybe they'll continue now with what he's doing to put more on his shoulders to where he does have to carry the offense even more and more. It proves the transformational value of a great quarterback yeah. for a team. Right. That the belief, was everything. As right? deep in the depths of yeah. dysfunction as they could have been. Right. And it was just six years ago yeah. that Deshaun Watson was a rookie with the Texans, taking the league by storm, getting into the MVP conversation. Changing our outlook Had of them. that game in Seattle, yeah. and Richard Sherman said that's the best any quarterback's ever played against us, including Tom Brady. Tore the ACL non-contact in practice that week. It was early November of that year. He told us at the Super Bowl after that that he thinks it happened during that Seahawks yeah, game and it right. just went the rest of the way. And there went the MVP case. And I remember hearing the news that Deshaun Watson has torn his ACL and it just felt like a gut punch because this guy's the future. This is great. This was before Patrick Mahomes ever even played. He's sitting on the bench that year. Right. Deshaun Watson's the guy who's playing from that class of 2017 and playing really well. Here they are six years later with another guy that is taking the league oh, by storm. Yeah. And they keep winning. It's like so much of the rest of these questions that are out there. What are the Vikings going to do at quarterback next year? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? It all will be answered. We still in got the eight weeks, weeks left here. It's all right? going to be answered. We got in the lots coming of weeks. football. And this is real football as we're getting into It's November officially here. So, season starts Thanksgiving. That's I mean, what Bill Belichick said. All over for Bill. It's not over. starting this season's year. over, right. Bill. Sorry. That's right. Enjoy your turkey. But I think, like, you know, to your point with CJ Stroud and that, it, he's, again, I think we're seeing again. I, I said last week, you heard me say it. It's, I think it's the greatest rookie year I've ever seen anybody that I can remember. It, it's, it's up there with the, the, the greats of all time as far as rookie quarterback seasons. And then I just, hey, it's the specialness of him and, like, you're talking about what he 
he can do for the organization. I mean, we've seen Burrow and Cincinnati kind of do the same thing there. You said Watson. I feel like even Mahomes changed the perception of Kansas City. Even though they were good, it was always like oh, – it was next level. It was like, yeah. That's why they drafted like, him. It was like, Alex you're kind of relevant, you're relevant, but right. now you're the most popular team in sports, right? You got that. You got Josh Allen and what he did in Buffalo. Well, quarterbacks only went up to Buffalo and died, basically. That was what that was other than Jim Kelly. So yeah, we've had some really, really special guys that way, and he's totally changed the outlook of that organization. They won that game 30-27 to yesterday. They really outplayed Cincinnati to a capacity of where they should have been up more than 10-7.5. I mean, if you, you, you remember, yep. I mean, we were sitting there. They went all the way down the field, fumbled a snap inside the 10-yard line on fourth and one, right? That missed opportunity there. Got to the three-yard line another time in the first half. Had to settle for a field goal. That might have been in the third quarter, actually. Um, they got down on fringe uh, field goal territory, and Logan Wilson strip-sacked C.J. Stroud one time. So it was one of those games where the Texans really controlled the flow and you know when they settled in and made it twenty to seven, you're like, oh, okay, they're going to be okay here. You know, you, know they, you felt like they might have blown their early opportunities to kind of control the football game. And then Burrow and company started to catch on fire on the offensive side of the ball. The game became really fun. And then CJ Stroud throws a pick six, and you go, oh well, hey, this was awesome, but they're going to melt under the pressure. He's a rookie here, and damn, if he didn't answer another question for us and just. How cool Joe Cool in Cincinnati. That don't happen And I much. think that's what makes it so important. Yeah. The fact that they were able to recover when it just goes the other yeah, way right. and find a way to win when all the momentum had been seized by the home team and yeah. it just felt inevitable. Almost what pick a, six, it, right? It, yeah. What was yeah, the thing? It's it the worst throw of the year, ugh. right? Then they go three and out on the next series. Right, so they go three and out. That gives Cincinnati the chance to uh, the to go down. Cincinnati, of course, throws the ball down the middle to Tyler Boyd. He drops the touchdown. They have to just kick the field goal to tie the game. And then, like you said, so there you have a, a, a chunk of time, but the momentum was totally on Cincinnati's side. You got a rookie quarterback who threw an almost pick six, went three and out. He's on the road. You're going, hey, good effort. It just doesn't look like it's going to happen today. And what's he do? He does what he's done for the most part all year. It's twenty five yard throw 20 yard throw he is one of the best 15 plus yard throwers in the nfl already as a rookie that's what i'm so amazed with by the by the damn guy here is cj stroud from after the 30 to 27 win in cincinnati talking about bouncing back from the interception we just showed you um yeah man it was um after i uh after the interception i think we got they had scored um and i let them know man i got your back like i know i made a mistake um but uh, that one play doesn't define me and i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go prove myself again Short memory, that's the key. Yeah. You got to have it. You can't, yeah. you can't let yourself think, oh, well, it's not our day. Yeah, you can't let it It's just not it. our day. You know yeah. what? It's not our day. Right. It's just not our day. As evidenced by that throw, it's not our day. Time to move on. And you see that in the demeanor of some quarterbacks where they allow themselves to come off as defeated. Sure. And if we can sense it through the TV screen, yeah. the teammates are sensing it, and it is something that can infect an organization. And – when I spoke to Tank Dell after the game, the thing that impressed me, because I'm fascinated by this story and what's making him so great, what's causing him to be better than even the best projection that yeah. people would have expected. Right. And this idea that he's already kind of got that Peyton Manning vibe to him where he's blowing up the phones of teammates with Sending clips of the defenses and until midnight and, right. every week. Here's right. this clip. Here's yeah. this clip. And so Tank Dell season's like, well, I better watch some more film too. Sure. And that's why 
you know, we have this conversation from time to time about quarterbacks and when there's quarterbacks that want to be involved in personnel and quarterbacks, they want the quarterback to be the coach exactly. among the players right, right? because it's more effective that way. Definitely. It's far more effective to hear it from a colleague than to hear it from the supervisor. Yeah, that's and right. if they can get one of the colleagues to act like one of the supervisors, it's a hell of a lot easier to right. supervise. And then when the colleague's the man, like you're talking about, he's the man and he's awesome and he demands results and everybody being on the same page and you're in the huddle with him and he starts to realize, man, I got to remind this guy a lot or say, tell him to do this or tell him to do that. Your ass is off the field. And, you know, that keeps everybody in check, too. To, well, i got to keep up to his standard. That was the Brady effect that I certainly witnessed a little when I worked in New England. Is it was, you know, we got to learn the new players. we got to keep, you know, Tom happy. That's how the, a lot of the players on the offense felt. They didn't want to mess up because they knew he was going to get on them a little bit. And he's got an expectation of how the offense would run. And that's what a great quarterback does. He does. He kind of, you know... Like you said, it's like, hey, he's one of the guys, his arms around you, but he also can do the hot poker thing, too, and get everybody going that way as well. Apply it to any workplace in the world. Yeah, sure. If you're responsible for a group of workers and one member of that workforce is as committed as you are yeah. to success of the unit right. and essentially takes over. And influ I mean, you start wondering, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> like, what the like, and, and that's what it means to have a great player who's also a great leader. That's why Peyton Manning's teams won. That's why Tom Brady's teams won. That's why the greats assert themselves. They want to be great. Patrick Mahomes' teams win. There's a way to create the right relationships where you inspire others to go above and beyond, not just because they feel like they have to. You make them want to. Yeah. You make them enjoy doing all the stuff that for other teams, guys look at that and roll their eyes and say, no, I'm on my own time. No, this is my day off. Yeah. No, this is my night off. No, why, why is the quarterback texting me plays? No, I'm not going to open this message. I mean, that, and when you have that organically, you can't force it. It just has to happen. Yeah. And when it's happening the way it's happening with the Texans, that lays the foundation for Regardless of what happens this year, he'll be in the MVP conversation in the future. They'll be in the AFC South conversation in the future. They'll be potentially among the top teams. It's what they do from here with the Browns draft picks from the Deshaun Watson trade. Yeah, right. On top of that, they right. still got next year's first sure, rounder. Right. So they, and more and yeah, more and a mid-rounder too. Spot. Yeah. So they're in a position to really build a juggernaut in Houston. And it starts with. The quarterback, yep. the transformational value of a great quarterback, and kudos to the Texans for not getting knocked wobbly by all that crap that was out there. Right. And, you know, I wrote something over the weekend because there's an item from Zach Kiefer in The Athletic about C.J. Stroud, and there was mention of the effort to seize onto that S2 cognition and processing test and, and cause him to fall. Right. And, you know, I have believed forever that it was a team that wanted him. Somebody pointed out to me over the weekend, it's possible this is just BS among agents too. Because one agency will have this quarterback, another agency has that quarterback, and they're fighting among each other, sure. and they want their guy to be drafted higher. Right. So it's possible that was part of it. But regardless, yeah. that whole S2 thing became something that tried to drag him down and 
to the Texans' credit. Yeah, Houston knew they, what they, they had. They got the guy. They scratched yeah. off the lottery ticket, right. and it's a winner. Yeah, did their homework. They knew the human. I'm sure they had some connections they trusted in Ohio. Nick Casario's Ohio guy, so I'm sure he knows some people at Ohio State around that, knows what makes C.J. Stroud. It's a great pick by them. He fits their offense. All right? He fits how their offense fits, of course, how D'Amico Ryan wants to coach the team in totality anyways. And, and you know, of course, him being a defensive coach. So they run the ball, and they are an aggressive play-action passing team off of that. You know? So they have the ability not only to make explosive plays, but to control the clock, too. And I think, you know, that was really the amazing thing to me yesterday, Mike. I, I, I know C.J. Stroud can spin it and make all the right decisions and all that. I was shocked. One, Cincinnati, who I felt like was in a, getting in a groove offensively, had a lull really for the first two and a half quarters of the game and couldn't quite figure out the Houston Texans defense. But more shocking, I think, to me was the Bengals defense with all the big plays. Cincinnati's D had been playing pretty good here as of late. I kind of felt like they had fixed the we let up a lot of big play problems that they had early in the season. You know, 20 points to the Cardinals, 13 points to the Seahawks, 17 points to the 49ers. Josh Allen, the Bills, 18 points, and eight of those were very late in the football game. So it felt like they had righted the ship. And Houston goes in there with that offensive line and Devin Singletary, and they whooped their butt in the run game. And C.J. Stroud, for the most part, had pretty good protection for the day. And then they pick them apart that way. That, to me, was also a surprise because I, I really thought Cincinnati was on the up and up as far as some of the things we're talking about. Well, here. and look at what they've done in recent weeks. They beat the 49ers by 14 in their own building. Could have been more. They beat the Bills last Sunday night. And Another everything one is trending up. And this right. just shows you – that it doesn't take much to get knocked off balance in the NFL and to have a little humble pie force-fed upon you like the Bengals did yesterday because I'm sure they believed, yeah, I mean, come on. Look well, I we've done. Right. We've won four in a right. row. We've dug ourselves out of this hole. We're ready to make our move That's on the right. top. Houston's coming of the to conference. Us, the Texans rookie quarterback. We got this big Ravens game coming right. up. You know, it's easy, easy. And I haven't really thought of that. Thursday night, that becomes Bengals some game and Ravens. Now, right. Yeah, and it was some game beforehand, and you wonder whether both teams yeah. were maybe peaking a little bit past this week because we got the real test. Like, the division rests on this game. The one seed potentially rests on this game, and both teams end up losing. We're going to pivot to the Ravens game here in a second, but when you've got a huge game up next and it's short week, I feel like there's a greater chance it's going to be a distraction. When you have a team that's won four in a row, has beaten some good opponents, and here comes – and it was a tra- – I, I don't want to call it a trap game because I think the Texans are better than than what would ordinarily be a trap. Yeah. But the Bengals were off, and I just can't help but wonder whether it was a bunch of different factors. They're feeling good about themselves. They got some injuries. The Texans did too. They had 23 guys on the injury report and nine ruled out yesterday. So that that's a wash. Yeah, right. But that – notion that this Ravens showdown is creeping I just wonder whether it threw both teams off a little bit yesterday because it didn't take much to get thrown off oh no and both teams could have won yeah and and it just wasn't to be and I just think this looming Thursday night game after suffering through Bears Panthers Thursday night your reward is Bengals Ravens with the pressure ratcheted up because somebody's going on a two-game losing streak yeah. unless they tie on Thursday yeah. night. Yeah, I, I feel like you, you know, you're, you're, I think you're in the right spot there. I don't think it's a game where you just overlook it, 
But I think in both things, the Ravens were everybody was going, hey, they're, they're the best team in football right now, right? So they're going, and then Cleveland, who we know has the great defense and whatever else, offense has not been exactly consistently good. Yeah, I could see them thinking, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna win this game. And the same thing for Cincinnati, like respect for Houston, but we're Cincinnati. We've been going to the Super Bowl, the AFC Championship, and I think the main point is what you said a few minutes ago. The AFC is just it's it's damn good. It's just it's so and I, you know I think we're going to be throwing a few curveballs like this all year long just because the quality of the conference. A team like the Jets, as we saw, they're four and five, but they got a great defense and a unit where they could upset the Philadelphia Eagles on a given day. You know, there's just so many great units I think in the AFC, and that's what's going to make it interesting coming down the home stretch here. And the question is, when the Super Bowl rolls around, will the champion of the AFC be battle hardened or beat to shit? Or a little of both. Yeah. We saw right. it last year. Eagles hadn't been tested in the yeah, playoffs. Right. Chiefs had to earn every single win they got. And down in 10 December in the into quarter, the playoffs. You just and then saw some. the Eagles kind of get a little yeah, stiff. Yeah, like, ooh, we haven't been in this. Right. And the Chiefs were loose because they've been through that kind of stuff. So whoever wins that conference, whoever's holding the Lamar Hunt trophy, is going to have earned it because this is a great, great conference. And it's a great division. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Browns-Ravens get together after the Ravens had beaten the Browns 28-3. to That was the game where Deshaun Watson just didn't play, and there was the medically cleared comment from Coach Kevin Stefanski afterward. That was back in week four. They get together yesterday, and I almost wish that football was scored differently than it is because 14 nothing is deceptive. Yeah. And the Ravens were up like that, right. 14 nothing. But tip it's pass, two interception, pick it's six. It's 2 nothing. It's not 4 nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's well, like if you're soccer, it's 2 nothing. It's the psychological thing in the NFL. You, you see overcome 14. That. And, right. and so, right. and it's easy to think it's a Uh-oh, blowout, right. but it just goes away quickly. At Vikings game yesterday, it's 27 to 3. Well, that's three scores, yeah. three touchdowns, and three two pointers. It's not. A 24-point gap, it's a three-point gap as a, practic- as a practical matter. So number of scores is what's key, but I think it's easy for, you know, it happened to the Ravens twice. They're up 14 nothing, 
and then the Browns make it interesting, and then they're up 14 again yeah. in the fourth quarter. But you can see those leads get erased yeah. quickly teams in the NFL. Teams teeter in those situations. It's We've two seen drives. teeter against the Ravens where they, oh, no, we're down 14, and all of a sudden it's 28. Oh, we're down 28, and then it's, oh, no, right? But you're right, and there's there's the psychological aspect of that that you got to come uh, overcome there. The the Browns, I, I know I've said this to you a little. They give me shades of the 2015 Broncos with their defense. That their defense is going to make like three or four plays every game. That's going to set them up either for really short fields or they're going to score touchdowns themselves. But again, whether it's the Newsom pick six at the end uh, that certainly made things really interesting, even though they missed the extra point. A game where it felt like the Ravens should have been up more than 17-9 to at half, right? It was one of those. And I thought one of the big moments is late in the first half, it's 17-6, Justin Tucker lining up to kick a field goal. The, the Browns blocked the field goal. You know, blocked the field goal, get a nice little return, sets them up to kick a long field goal before halftime to where it was a six-point swing. It was going, hey, this is 20-6, to six, and now they're going to have a long field to try to go down and get some points. And now it goes in 17-9 at halftime, gave them a, to your point, hey, we're only a score One out of this. We didn't two. play that yeah. well, right? Ravens come out, hit the slant to Odell Beckham Jr. But at the end of the second quarter, I think we all started to feel like, Man, the Browns are starting to slow down the Ravens' attack here a little bit. Ravens come out. He throws a slant to Odell. They score on that first drive of the third quarter. And you go, oh, okay, this is going to continue, this butt whooping. But from that point on, it felt like the Ravens' defense totally dominated the football game. And that the Ravens, Lamar, the run game, nothing could kind of get back in rhythm like it was early on in the football game. And it felt like the Browns had the momentum pretty much the whole second half. First win by the Browns when they were down by 14 or more points since Baker Mayfield's debut on a Thursday night against the Jets back in 2018. I remember that one. Tyrod Taylor had the start. Baker Mayfield came off the bench, and that was it for Tyrod Taylor in Cleveland. And Baker Mayfield took over until he didn't. Deshaun Watson still working his way back to the guy that we saw in Houston 2017 through 2020. Stay healthy. That's and, what he's got to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, you see glimmers. He was in a walking boot after the game, yeah. ankle sprain, but he kept going. He kept going, toughed it out, 37 rushing yards, 213 passing yards. He had an interception. Uh, interception and, uh, right to start the game. Yeah, like right off, right out of the gates. That, I mean, right? that part of that, it's 14 nothing, less than five minutes into the game. Yeah. So uh, they still keep it going. I mean, the resilience is impressive. To go into Baltimore and get that win against Browns 1.0, and Miles Simmons always gets upset with me when I say that the Ravens are the Browns. They are, the Ravens are the Browns. <laughs> the Browns is the Browns, and the Ravens is the Browns, too. Well, The Ravens yeah. are the original Browns, <laughs> yeah, and right. the Browns are the new Browns. But... I think that makes it even sweeter any time they can beat them, and especially yesterday, the time when the Ravens are juggernauts. They are the team that is looking like the best team in the conference and or the entire league, yeah. and the Browns went in and spotted them 14 twice and took it from them. Yeah. It makes it even more rewarding that the Browns were able to pull it off. It's a little bit like we talked about you know, with Houston, Right, Cincinnati had some things not. I mean, the Browns had some things not go their way, but they they continue to hang in there and be resilient. That was impressive. Um, the the Ravens fourth quarter leads. I mean, this was the thing last year. Remember, this year again. I you know it, is it going to be a thing as we go forward? So far, all three losses are right blown fourth quarter leads. Yep. If I'm not you know yep. wrong there, but uh, the, the, you know we talked about some of the moments there during the game. To me. 
the drive of the game, third quarter, 24 to nine, right? Feels like maybe the game's teetering. And they go on a 17-play, 75-yard drive where Deshaun converted third downs. I think they converted a few fourth downs, took up 10 minutes of the clock, and made it 24-17 to and felt like they had control of the game. They, get, they kick off to the Ravens. The Ravens, they force them to punt. Ravens, I think, get a first down or two, then have to punt. Prochet fumbles the punt return, if you remember. Ravens get the ball short field. It takes seven plays to go 12 yards. The, the, the Browns basically were like holding on every play and had all these penalties. And finally, the Ravens scored a touchdown to go up two scores. And you went, oh, well, that's it. But then like Watson, like you talked about, kind of answers back. He made some plays, extended plays with his legs, made a few wow throws in the game. And all of a sudden, it's a one-score game, tip pass in the air because of that damn talented defense. And all of a sudden, it got really awesome at the end. It was a fun game to watch. Big win by the Cleveland Browns. Huge win. Makes you think differently about them right now. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Right? They're 6 and 3. The Ravens are 7 and 3. And we talked about MVP earlier as it relates to CJ Stroud. The one seed is so critical to the ultimate MVP balloting. If the Browns end up with it, and it's not crazy to think they will, Miles Garrett's the MVP. Miles Garrett's getting my vote. I, I'm, not, I'm not mad at From you the there. AFC. I hear you. NFC, let's see who the one seed is. Right. But Miles Garrett's going to be in my top two if the Browns are the one seed. He joined a very short list of all-time greats yesterday by getting 10 or more sacks for six straight seasons. Reggie White, John Randall, Demarcus Ware, Jared Allen, Bruce Smith, Lawrence Taylor. Damn. That's the group. Yeah. Six straight years of 10 or more sacks. And I had one and a half yesterday. And, uh, you know, the defense made Lamar Jackson look like not the MVP favorite. Lamar Jackson was my MVP through the first half of the season. Yeah. They're sitting very pretty in the AFC. He's orchestrating the offense. He's running not all the time, passing better than ever, 71.5% completion percentage going into the game. And all it takes is one day. Everything changes in one day. For the Browns, for the Ravens, for the Bengals, for the Steelers. And now when you look at the AFC North, going into this week, oh, by the way, it's not just Thursday night football, Bengals-Ravens in Baltimore. It's Steelers-Browns in Cleveland on Sunday. Wow. So That's some killer matchup huge, right there. The weekend before Thanksgiving, huge, huge, because you've got 7-3 and three Ravens, 6-3 and three Browns, Six and three Steelers, five and four Bengals. And the Steelers have played two games in the division, and they've won both of them. Yeah. Ravens, Browns, but right. they're, they're at home. Yeah. It's renegade time. Yeah, right. No renegade in Cleveland. Right. They're not going to be playing renegade <laughs> when they go to Cleveland. Yeah. So, uh, uh, AFC North. Great is, weekend. Yeah. Great weekend coming up for AFC North football. It, phenomenal. Perfect time of year for it, too. It, it really is. It, it, it's real old school football. That's what I love about it. And, and Cleveland Browns. Uh, you look, we we've talked and we've you know gushed about their defense. They got playmakers everywhere. Their defense dominated the second half of the game, like you talked about. Lamar Jackson, I think, early on in the football game, you know, the environment in the stadium, the Ravens' defense was flying high. I think they caught the Browns with a few game plan plays, especially in the run game, even in the pass game a little bit too. But when it settled in and some of those game plan plays ran out. 
Cleveland's talent started to take over. And it seemed like, man, they were busting through the line of scrimmage and, and creating chaos in the run game and the pass game. Lamar and company couldn't get a whole lot going. If the Browns can get the pass game of their offense going, if Watson could stay healthy and get in a little groove here, we know they can run the ball. Bill Callahan's one of the best O-line coaches in football. Their O-line is damn good. Jerome Ford is damn good, right? If they have one of the best screen teams in football and offense, Mike. If Watson can start, hey, and Joku, Cooper, Elijah Moore, and they're going to be a consistent dose of that, Cleveland is, their talent is up there with anybody in the game. It just has to get this pass game going along you know, with the run game, and their def- and their offense is going to be equally as hard to defend as their, their defense is to try to score points on. You know how I complain from yeah. time to time that we have to pick games because yeah. I just want to enjoy yeah, them? Yeah, right. This is a year to enjoy enjoy the NFL because I'm not enjoying them because every time you and me disagree you win the damn game. It felt like (laughs) for a while there were going to be you know a few dominant teams yeah but boy it just feels like the old cliche of any given Sunday any given Monday any given Thursday eventually any given Saturday any given Black Friday the other team can win. And you don't know what the hell is going to happen. And it's all kind of bunching together now for this great run for the final eight weeks of the regular season. As we get this, that's, you know, football season, one of the reasons I love it so much, it gets you through two of the crappier months of the year in September and October because everything's dying. And I know autumn is great, but to me, I look at a tree with all those great leaves and say, that tree's going to be. You know, it's going to be bare in a week. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it looks great for today. But we get into the colder time. But then comes crunch time and the holidays, and it all comes together and it carries you through the end of the year. And then you get the Super Bowl. I mean, really, think about it. They've pushed it all back so far now. We can ride this NFL wave until the middle of February. Before you know it, it's March and spring's here. I mean, it's just great. Football season is perfectly situated on the calendar yes it is it carries you through the caca months of right. the season but this that we're right now i mean 10 days till thanksgiving then it's oh Christmas this is season. prime time it's just great and it every is. and there's so many great prime time games coming up starting yeah. thursday night with bengals ravens so uh it's 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 just it's fun i just want to i and is it easy for me to say it's fun because the Vikings have gone from one and four to six and four? <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It's just, I'm just having some fun. Yeah. And, and that's what this is all about. Right. Let's have some fun. The league's crazy. It is. It's so competitive. It's so equal, right? We all want great teams. And I think we do have a few great teams. But even that, we see that, you know, between as aggressive as people are trying to create turnovers, the analytics of going forward on fourth down, you make a mistake, some of the talent we got a quarterback, uh, some of the talent we got a pass rushers, those playmakers that you play is sway, can sway the scales. And all of a sudden we can be, whoa, the Jets are beating the Eagles on a given Sunday. Uh, that's what's awesome about the league right now. And the AFC is just loaded like we talked about. So I think it's hard to, it's hard to pick them on a week-to-week basis because they are so close and there's so many good teams or good players in that conference. you got to wonder what the Chiefs and Dolphins were thinking yesterday on their bye, monitoring everything that's happening. Because the Chiefs are still a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. 
The Dolphins are still, once right. they prove they can beat a good team, right. a force to be reckoned with. And then we got the Bills and Broncos still to come tonight. The yeah. Bills didn't play yesterday I watching all be this interesting. stuff happen. Yeah, I think it could be interesting, too. You get Sean Payton and Russell Wilson by week, right? We saw their defense was coming along. Buffalo's kind of, we don't know what to expect. We'll see where that goes. Buffalo's defense, can you know Russell Wilson and Sean Payton do something there? I think that game could be somewhat uncomfortable for the Bills tonight. Well, that's right, and it's an opportunity for the Bills to gain some ground. The Patriots lost. Not that they're even a factor in the division anymore. The Jets lost. That's significant for the Bills. That's their next opponent on a short week. So the Bills tonight, opportunity, but also a chance for the Broncos to push themselves, will themselves into a late season push. Yeah, and they've right. got that that vibe. They've got the positivity. They beat the Chiefs. So they're feeling good about themselves, and they've had 15 days to get ready for this game. So that's coming up tonight. But a great Sunday for the AFC North, for the AFC generally. And we're going to have a fun ride down the rest of the stretch of the regular season. Flip it over when we return to one of the dominant teams from the NFC that had fallen off. They return with a boom. Just shows you when the 49ers are healthy, they can do anything. We'll talk about 49ers Jaguars when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.